0: Good morning, Outlook family. It's good to see everyone this morning, whether you're with me here in the room or you're with us online. We are together, and together is a good place to be, amen? It really is. Before I pray uh, and and, uh, as we get ready for our time in God's Word, I want to also make sure we're praying for the Lugo family our missionaries in Venezuela, who we are blessed to have with us today. So if you all want to stand and just wave to everybody, let us know you are here. Jorge, Diana, their sons, Josh and Jacob. Guys, we are privileged to have you among us. Uh, Really, really much, uh, very much so. Um, uh, we're, We're so happy to be partners with you. And uh, we're going to pray for them here in just a moment, but if if you want to come up and and chat with them after service, learn more about their ministry, show them some love, I know that they would love that. Uh, Missionaries are our heroes here at Outlook, and uh, we're really, really glad that you chose to worship with us. So thanks, guys. Let's all pray together. Father, we thank you for this precious family we've gotten to know over these last several years. We ask that, God, that you would give them guidance and fruitfulness as they lead Impacto Church. God, we ask that that church would thrive amidst the challenges that they face. Lord, we pray for protection for this church and this family regarding the violence that's going on there in Caracas, uh, that you would just guide their steps, Lord, that you would guard their hearts, that, that you would, um, in every sense, be with them and guide them and lead them. We're thankful, God, that you've led them to us today, that we could worship together, and we pray your blessing on them. We thank you for them. And Lord, we thank you for this time together in your word. And we ask that you'd be with us and speak to us by your holy spirit. In Jesus mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lugos. We love you so much and so glad that you're here. I am excited to begin this morning what will be a recurring series called Live Free. Every time Live Free comes around, we will be exploring the intersection between our mental and emotional health and well-being and our spiritual lives and discipleship to Jesus, and we'll discover or be reminded that there's lots of truth these areas have in common, and we will apply these truths from a biblical, holistic perspective. Now, we're going to take our time in this series. That's why it's a recurring series. There's so much good stuff that we could cover on this subject. And so we're going to move through it. And then every few months, we'll come back to it and hit that very important subject from a whole other angle and look at some other different things. And so we're going to give it the time and coverage that it deserves. And in the first iteration of this series, which begins today and lasts this month, we will lay out four what you might call first principles that can guide us throughout our whole journey into this subject. And so today's principle, painfully obvious, but patently avoided. We're all human, and we're all broken. We're all hurting, and we all need healing. In fact, if we can bring those words up, we'll say them out loud together. We're all hurting. Let me try that one more time. We're all hurting. We all need healing. And there is nothing at all wrong with you or with me because this is true. Too often church has been known as the last place you'd want to admit that, but not here, not at all. Anxiety, stress, fear, self harm, depression, resentment, suicidal thoughts, avoiding vulnerability, addiction, trauma, abuse, shame, self hate, compulsive hurry, rage, distorted self image, grief, pride, self centeredness, pornography, toxic relationships even the challenge and also the blessing of neurodiversity. All this and so much more is included when we consider the subject of our mental and emotional health. And when we think about a list as daunting as that one, it should be made clear up front that in Christ, none of us, for none of us, is this who we are. In Christ, we are not first an addict or a victim. In Christ, we are not labeled as a diagnosis or a disorder. These may be very real descriptors of something we're dealing with or working through or experiencing or enduring or just beginning to learn about. But in Christ, we are so much more than any one of these. Amen? Now, we're going to be candid and clear, starting now and throughout this series. In some things, Jesus will heal us and free us. In others, he will walk with us. But in all of them, we must embrace our need and lean on him. Now, this is particularly important to get clear right up front, because we Christians can be pretty known for neat and tidy diagnoses, descriptions, um, ways of handling things, however you might want to put it. We, just like th- we, we can be uh, a little cliched, if we're going to be honest, and we can be a, a, a little bit quick to just want to find the neat and tidy happy ending to whatever subject we might be addressing. And we want to be real about what life is like. So I'm going to restate what I just said but expand on it just a little bit. There are things from which we can indeed heal and from which we can be free. Jesus is that powerful and he has when we give him the room to work, he can do amazing things in our lives. And there are other things through which we can grow and in which we can lean on and learn From God. But the key to any healing and freedom, as well as any growth and learning, is always going to be to first embrace our humanness and thus our brokenness. We're all hurting and we all need healing. In Luke chapter 9, there's this great one sentence description of what's happening in Jesus' ministry at that moment, but in it is a just a wonderful way to look at all that Jesus uh, can do in our lives and who he is and who he is in, uh, in a church. It says, he welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who needed healing. I love that because we see that God will welcome us, Christ sees us and welcomes us just as we are. He sees you and me And what might be all of our pain or even our dysfunction, all of our need, all all of our brokenness, and he accepts us just as we are. He welcomes us. And he begins to speak to us about his kingdom, about what life in him is really like and all about. He sees you as worthy of hearing those words from moment number one of our encountering him. He doesn't see a list of things need to get straightened out and cleaned up before he'll begin loving you or imparting his wisdom. He welcomes and teaches and shares right from the beginning, and he heals us when we need healing. And that Jesus then is the same as Jesus now. And this should be, as I mentioned earlier, a great description of what life in the church is like, that this is what Jesus is doing among us as his people even today, welcoming Speaking, teaching, sharing, healing. This is who he is, and this is who we are. He's a healer, we need healing. That works out really nicely, each and every one of us. Now, maybe you've heard, mental health is health. Have you heard anyone say that? Mental health is health. The point of that statement is this. Just as any of us can have physical health challenges, we can any of us, someone say any of us, any of us can have mental and emotional health challenges. And in all such challenges, the first step in healing is admitting there's something to address. Maybe if you're like me, you'll only go to the doctor if you feel like you can't, you know, reset the bone yourself, right? You know, it's like, I don't really, uh, no one's looking forward to doing that. And, and, uh, but, but when it comes to our physical challenges, we all have at least some baseline of understanding that if it's bad enough, we know what to do, right? We call the doctor, we go to the ER, whatever it might be. But when it comes to, this is the rub for so many of us, when it comes to our emotional and mental health challenges, we somehow treat them differently. And we still need to see that our first step in healing is admitting that there is something to address. I'm not going to be able to fix this on my own. There are definitely, don't get me wrong, things in our lives that have the potential to become almost immediately different when we let Jesus in. A new perspective that he supplies, the power that he gives us over our choices, the support system of the church, all of these are immediately and readily available to us as we say yes to Jesus, and they make a huge difference, but only when we let him in. In John chapter 5, we read about Jesus walking into Jerusalem and seeing a man who was unable to physically get around. He had been lying next to a pool at a gate to the city for many, many years, likely living off the charity of the people coming in and going out. Jesus sees the guy and he stops and he asks him a question. He says, Do you want to get well? We might at first think, what's what's this all about? This isn't about blaming. Jesus is not claiming, you'd be well if you just wanted it badly enough. But as he always does, Jesus is getting at something. We have to be ready to admit we need healing, that there's something going on or that we've endured that could use some attention. And unlike our physical ailments, it seems harder for us to do this when it comes to our emotional and mental health challenges. But we can shift our point of view on that. Mental health is health. So health challenges of any kind, we can begin to see that Jesus has a way of addressing those and even healing them. This same Jesus says in various ways these same words to so many of us. Do you want to get well? He may even be saying that to you today. Just you and him. He sees us right where we are. Do you want to get well? Now, Jesus' question wasn't patronizing. It was penetrating. He sees us in our wounds and weaknesses, and he wants to know if we are ready for him to do his healing work, whatever that may look like. And again, it's not about blaming us for our addictions it's about being honest about the work it will take to get behind what's driving that addiction. To determine and unearth what keeps pushing us into that destructive thought pattern or unhinging that emotion again and again. Now, you know, this guy had been poolside for a long time. And maybe, sad as his situation was, he'd just gotten used to it. And Jesus is saying in this moment, look, My healing won't leave you here. Maybe you've gotten used to this. This is maybe what you thought life was going to just end up being all about. But now I'm here. I make a difference wherever I go. My healing won't leave you here. I'm going to call you to more. So let me work in your life, and I'll make you walk. And I'll give you somewhere to go. Onward and forward. Now, this man gives Jesus an answer that he seems to take as a yes, And Jesus says to him, "Pick up your mat and walk." And he does. Hear this this morning: Give Jesus your own yes. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't. You don't have to know what he's going to do or what he has in mind. You don't have to have all your theology all perfectly straight, and you don't have to have a lot of scriptures memorized. Isn't that good news? All you have to do is begin by saying yes to him. He's got it covered. He knows he's—he knows you, and he knows what he'd love to do in your life. And you give Jesus your own yes, and you will find here at Outlook a family who will support you and walk with you in that new journey, no matter what it includes, or what you're facing, or what you need healed from. Now, if we're paying any attention at all, we know Jesus today does most of his healing through his people. Hands and feet, body of Christ. This is the way it works. He gifts Christians with, with abilities and expertise and grace and knowledge that then he uses to heal his people. He's everywhere at once through his church and through his spirit. Jesus uses people to do most of his healing today. And through our brothers and sisters in Jesus, through godly therapists and physicians, through pastors and spiritual uh, uh, guides and counselors, he brings healing. So I urge you, get the help and healing that you sense you need or that Jesus is pointing you to. Do it. There's no shame in it. It is the wisest, most courageous thing you can do, and Jesus will be there with you in it. Do you want to get well? That's his question. Jonathan Mangano is a licensed therapist and an outlooker, and I've asked him to join me for a few minutes to discuss this topic, specifically the beauty of our human brokenness. So give it up for Jonathan Mangano. Got some fans out there, Jay. Yeah, it's yeah. nice. It's always good to have, <laughs> it, is, it is nice. Yeah. It is nice. So John, Jonathan, you heard me say earlier, mental health is health. Talk to us a little bit more about that and maybe why it's Hard for us to accept that sometimes.
1: Yeah, sure. I definitely agree with that statement. It is, it is, it is health, um, and as we go in more into that, mental health is beautiful because it kind of sculpts kind of like the deepest uh, passions of our of, our, of ourselves. It's necessary or important. We have to talk about it. We have to destigmatize it. Um, it's powerful because it can be so freeing when it's in a good place, when we know in ourselves that we are enough. But it could also be crushing that weight of which, you know, I think we all kind of struggle mm-hmm, with. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then it can be vulnerable, which is just a fancy word that it's, it's hard. Yeah, it is hard. It's hard for us to be vulnerable. That seems a little scary just thinking about it, right? Mm-hmm. But the beauty of the church is that we're, we're meant to be creating a safe space in which we can be vulnerable, mm-hmm. right? That instead, church has gotten this reputation of being the place where I put on a smile and got to make sure everything, everyone understands, I'm fine, right? You're fine, I'm fine, everything's fine. Uh, but we need to be able to say, it's okay not to be okay. Talk to us a little bit more about what that would look like and, 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 and feel like mm-hmm. for us. Yeah, I
1: think that, that idea of brokenness... Um... I think church for me, you know, we I come here broken, and um, we as a community kind of piece that back together. But in that analogy, right, something is broken. There's pieces all around, and if you conceptualize that into questions, why do I feel this way? Why is my marriage broken? Why has God left me? Why can I not live fully in my emotions? That a numb emotions, that a numb anger or pain, um, or shame. But we also numb joy, and happiness.
0: That, that's a big one right there. Mm-hmm. You, I want to I hear that again. Uh, we can tend to numb the things we don't want to feel, mm-hmm. shame and the pain and all kinds of other things. But in that numbing, we end up numbing the things that would really be great to feel. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. that's huge. Yeah. That is huge. I, I read recently, um, taking us back to something we said a minute ago, um, you know, if I break my bone, I know what to do. I'm not going to set it myself. I'm going to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. But also the observation that no physician heals a broken bone. The physician only sets the bone in a position for optimal healing, right? And that the same thing can happen in a, with a broken heart. The same thing can happen when, when things seem broken in our thinking or, or in our souls. We, a good therapist, uh, someone who knows the contours of the human soul and what trauma does to us and how we can heal from it can set us or put us in a position or a posture for God to do that maximum healing.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, going back, we cannot selectively numb our emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, And in our conversation, Rob, you know, you labeled this uh, the beauty of brokenness. And we've used these words of shame and trauma, they can be triggering, so Outlook, if we need to take a deep breath, need that's to right. do some centering, please go ahead and do that. Um, but why is that beautiful? That's, that's confusing, that doesn't feel beautiful, doesn't look beautiful. But it's the, it's the recognition of that. That, um, it's the recognition of that and, give, and God giving us the ability, ability to heal that is
0: beautiful. That's well said, and I, I agree. I think it's a trap when we think about our spiritual enemies, you know, the devil, um, uh, the forces of darkness that want to just keep us down and count us out. It is a trap of the devil to get us to hide and keep things in the dark. Mm-hmm. That just seems a lot more comfortable, a lot more convenient. But at that point, when we're doing that, he has us right where he wants us and is reducing us uh, in terrible, terrible ways. Tell us a little bit more about when, what happens when we fall for that, what that looks like.
1: Yeah, I think we can talk about this for days. Uh, we're not, which is, which is good. I have to go <laughs> help a friend move. Um, but starting at this point, where connection gives purpose and meaning to our life. Especially in this context. I don't get to talk about Jesus every single day. It's only when the um, client brings it up to me then I can, we can talk about it. But now it's so nice to be able to talk about it freely in this type of context. But there are, there's a few things that keep us from Jesus Christ. One being shame, where if shame is I am bad, and guilt is, I've done something bad, that guilt can be motivating, like I'm gonna fix it, I can be better, I'm gonna press on, where shame is just paralyzing, it's Mm -hmm. crippling. Um, Based on our, um, because it's this narrative in our head or in our soul that says that we don't deserve better because we believe we're not good enough, or if you can talk it out of that, who do you think you are? Pride is the other thing. Um, we just think we can do it ourselves, right? I, there's been many people, intelligent people throughout the course of history that have just missed it. You know. And sometimes it happens to me. It's like, I don't need the instructions. Whoops, sure did. <laughs> um, and then finally, fear, right? Mm. Just that the fear of, will I be accepted? Will I be understood? Um, that fear of that rejection. But opening yourself up, which is just so hard, I wish it wasn't so hard, but it is, we are able to find that perfect love, which does cast out that fear.
0: Mm, yeah, it's beautiful, First John. Yeah, perfect love drives out fear. Uh, and fear is a big one, right? Because we, when, when the devil does trap us this way, when we fall for these lies and fall for pride, fall for shame, fall for fear, um, it leaves us in in the dark, and that's where all the dysfunction grows. We think as Christians, scripturally, we, we know the Bible talks about sin, but I found that, that the behaviors that we might call sin are really symptoms of the dysfunction that is going on in us, and Jesus wants to not just clean up our behavior. Is that true? Right? It's not just, oh, here's a bunch of check boxes of things. Don't do this. Do that. Now, if you can pull that off, you're awesome. No, Jesus wants to heal what's driving those things. Um, what imagery comes to your mind as you think about the fact that when wounds are left unhealed, they become drivers of dysfunction for us? Right. So
1: Daniel in the lion's den, or Joseph in an Egyptian prison. Now, when we talk about the mental health, we don't necessarily, it's not, we're not in a prison. Well, you know, I'm not sitting next to a lion. Um, so, but these people were able to sit in that hurt, that betrayal, that um, rejection. And I don't know what they were doing, or I don't know what the emotional, the psychology of what they were doing. I imagine that they were praying, God, be with me in this. Mm. And they, they healed from that process because they were able to come out and be fully of themselves um, It's like that song, if you gladly surrender, so will I. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I urge you to sit in that, but not alone, with a counselor, with a mentor, with a friend, with a pastor, to find our way back
0: to believing we are good enough. Amen to that, amen to that. Thanks, Jonathan, a bunch. Thanks, Jonathan. We are enough, loved by Christ. He saw us and said we were good enough to die for, right? Loved enough, cared for enough um, to receive His Spirit when we say yes to Him. Those are valuable, valuable lessons. Man, there's just so much here. We could, we could spend so much time. But, we, but for today, for today, we want to focus on what we're hearing here. We're all hurting we all need healing, and healing doesn't look the same in every situation. Life is messy and hard, but God is always good. So one more passage here before we wrap up to give us a fuller view of today's subject. We've talked about Jesus healing. Do you want to get well?" he asks. I believe he asks that a lot of times of us. But I also want to hear something from the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He refers to a tormenting thorn in his flesh, as he puts it. Now, Bible scholars believe this was some sort of health challenge that limited his ability or caused him pain, or it could have been toxic people who were definitely troubling him and affecting him in an ongoing way. Now, it's really a gift of Scripture and and the wisdom of God's Spirit in putting Scripture together that what the thorn was is not exactly stated. And, That's good, because what it was is less important than the principle that Paul gained from it. And that principle applies to all of us. Check this out, verse 8. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away, he says. Each time he said, this is him speaking of the Lord, Paul sensing that this is the Lord's answer to him, my grace is all you need, my power works best in weakness. So remember at the beginning we said there are some things that the Lord can will free and heal us from. there are other things the Lord will choose in His wisdom to simply walk with us through and leverage in our lives. And so this is part of Paul's story. Often the same thing happens in some parts of our story. It's not a not princ- it, won't, it won't happen in every single instance in our lives but it is absolutely something that will tend to happen at some point in many of our lives. Something that we're begging to just have taken away ASAP. Anyone ever been there? Lord, please just solve this right now. Lord, please just take this away yesterday, please. This is where Paul was, but he gets this answer. My power works best in weakness. The Lord's saying to him, I'm not taking it away. I'm not answering your prayer exactly the way you were hoping I would. Instead, this is something you'll live with, but I'll work through it in your life. This is what it means to make Jesus our Lord. We let him decide that. As long as we're human, we'll still be somewhat broken. This runs counter to the self-improvement gospel our culture loves so much, right? Not that self-improvement is in itself bad, but that myth of perfectibility. The idea that if I'm doing it right and working hard enough, not only will I keep improving, but one day I'll have it all together. I'll be perfect. We may not say it out loud, but we treat ourselves as if it could be true. And then most of the time think I must be doing it wrong because I'm not perfect. Paul goes on. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. His perspective on his own personal challenges and weaknesses has changed thanks to what he's feeling as though he's received and heard from the Lord. Now he sees those weak places in his personality, in his soul, in his mind, in his heart, and he sees them not as faults, but as places where now God can show himself strong because that's how his power works best, in weakness. He sees those places in his soul, in his mind, in his heart, and he says, this is where I lean on Jesus most. Isn't it great? This is where I get to draw most closely to him. This is where I lean on him most dearly, and I'm glad for it. Now, this is not meant to diminish the freedom and healing that we've been talking about, but it rightly recognizes something about our humanity. Anyone recovering from an addiction, and our Celebrate Recovery ministry that meets every Monday night has taught me this over the years. Uh, No matter how strong and resilient the Lord makes us, we also always know we're in recovery. We're healing all the time. The Lord can get us to a wonderful place of wholeness and healing when it comes to things like anxiety or depression or rage or pride. But see, this is the thing. In doing so, in that process, we end up with a deeper awareness that these are our weak spots, places where we need His grace every day. We actually are becoming more aware of our dependence upon Him, which is a beautiful place to be. When we think, oh, I'll call you when I need you, Lord. Until then, I think I've got it covered. We're in a place that will absolutely stunt our spiritual growth. Paul says, that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, he says, now applying the principle to himself, restating it here a third time, when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, this verb, take pleasure, That doesn't mean that you just throw a party every time something bad happens or that somehow you're really enjoying this. Nothing weird like that. But in the original language, it means definitely to see something and think it good, to accept it willingly, to be favorably inclined towards it. Again, his perspective of his challenges, and in our context here, the mental and emotional health challenges that you and I may face, to begin to see them not simply as a curse, but as an opportunity for blessing. It is exactly where I need Christ most, and I need him so badly. We begin to look at them and say, I see what's happening here. And this this point, this leverage point in the Christian life becomes crystal clear to us, and it's a gift. Embrace weakness. It is the portal to strength. Don't deny it. Don't hide it. Don't cover it. Don't fake it. I'll say that one more time. Don't deny it, don't hide it, don't cover it, and don't fake it. Those are all things we would maybe in our humanness think is the right thing to do. Or that would be our reflex. Fight that reflex and turn to Jesus instead. This is a principle for every one of us. And we must be a place in which no one looks down on someone else because of their pain or their addiction or their trauma. Because we are all in it together. Amen? Now, this is not a hopeless thing. This is not the idea that, oh, I'll just live with it forever and life will always be hard. No, there's great victory in giving these over to Jesus and letting letting him use them to teach us. Healing and strength and recovery are available, but that's not where we start. And we'll never get there without accepting our brokenness and even embracing it. That is where we begin. I wanna highlight that there's some tables and chairs over here to my left, your right. They'll be here throughout this series. And if after we dismiss in a a few minutes, you need some prayer just to talk to someone, there'll be pastors at those tables who will be more than happy uh, to do that. But for now, as I wrap up, let me just say, trials and challenges are not failures or evidence of faithlessness. Not in our mental and emotional health or not in any other way. They're a flaw. They're not a flaw, but a feature. Our wounds can work for us. Our challenges, our chances to grow, our weaknesses make way for God's strength. We're all hurting. We all need healing. And our yes to Jesus will make it all possible. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this truth that we've heard today. The idea, Jesus, that you see us right where we are, but you love us enough to take us to where we can be is something worth celebrating. Lord, that there's not a single person within the sound of my voice in this room or online who is in any way out of reach of your healing hand, of an arm around the shoulder to say, I'll walk with you through this. This is a chapter, not the whole book. This is a season, not your whole life. Lord, we need to hear that. That's good news that never gets old. Lord, as we think about the communion that we're going to take here in just a moment, we're reminded that you let your body be broken for us. In fact, Jesus, those are the words you chose to use. This is my body, broken for you. As we think about our own brokenness, we can celebrate, Jesus, that you are the one who allowed yourself to be broken. You know what brokenness feels like in all kinds of ways. And you're the one that sees us broken people and makes us whole. That's your power. That's the power of your love and your grace. We accept it, we celebrate it, and we remember it, Lord, in your mighty name. Amen.